Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to go back in time to the old days of electronic trading. For some of y'all, especially for those who started trading after the 2020 COVID sell-off, you guys don't even know what it was like trading electronically in the early stages of the internet age. And we're going to go back a little bit to that. We're going to use an email from a feller who got me thinking about the old days. So For you guys who didn't get to trade back in, let's say, 2000 and onward, this is going to be a good opportunity for you guys to find out a little bit more what it was like to trade about 15 to 20 years ago because so much has changed. So much has really, really changed. So this guy here, he gives me the option of what he wants me to call him. He says, call me Kramer or call me Putz. I'm going to call him Kramer just because Kramer rang the opening bell today. I think I saw somewhere, I don't know if this is right or not, but I saw somewhere where the last time Kramer rang the opening bell for the stock market, the market dropped like 8% in a day. I don't know when that was or what index that was that dropped 8%, but that is amazing if that's the case. And he rang the bell today too, and the market was gapping up and it was almost destined for it to drop with him opening up the market. So the market finished down today after opening up well over 1%. So it was pretty interesting day for it to be Kramer now and then Kramer back then who practically crashed the market from what I hear. But anyways, this guy, he asks to be called Kramer. He says, oh wait, let me pour a little bourbon and I will continue with this email. Tonight's old fashioned is made with Jefferson's Reserve. Very small batch. I actually have that same bottle. It's like 45.1, 90.2 proof. Not bad. It's actually not bad for a old fashioned either. He says, if you read this to the motoring public, I don't know what motoring public means necessarily, but he says, motoring public, you can call me Kramer or Putz. Well, obviously I called him Kramer. He says, I would be really remiss if I didn't pass along my sympathy on the passing of your mother. And I can tell by the tone in your voice how close you were. Also, the passing of your brother. You mentioned it only once, but let me offer my condolences. None the same. Well, I appreciate that. My mom passed away about, uh, about three years ago. My brother about 22 years ago. So it's amazing how time flies, but no, I do appreciate that they were both central figures in my life. 
And while I do miss them on this side of heaven, I do look forward to the day when I do get to see them in eternity. So he goes on to write, five years and in five days. Maybe that should have been the title of this email. I found your podcast on Sunday, July 10th, 2022, and I finished it yesterday, July 14th, 2022. So basically he was listening to a year's worth of podcasts every day. He said, I have learned so much just from listening to you that I started watching your YouTube channel. The way you explain charts is just outstanding. I really don't care what stock or index you are charting. I am just really intrigued on how you get there. I have looked at charts for years, and it was like reading a foreign language to me. I bought my first mutual fund when I was in the Army some 35 years ago. It was with 20th century. That's how far back I go. Then I got into DRIPS. That's dividend reinvestment programs for those who don't know that. It's essentially where the dividends you receive from a stock, they're reinvested back into that stock. He said he bought the book that was called Buying Stocks Without a Broker, basically a book on dividend reinvesting, buy and hold Buffett style. Then sometime in the mid-90s, I got into a Schwab account, options. That was where the action was at. Not so much, though, when you don't know what the hell that you were doing. An option trade commission would run about $40 back in those days. Now it is about Think or swim. However, I struggle with the chart setups. When I look for things that you illustrate in your videos, it makes sense. I am looking for a platform other than think or swim to do my charting. I was looking at Benzinga Pro, but no way in hell am I paying for that kind of money for charts. I know you use TC2000. However, do you do the charting and illustrations in your trading block platform? Yeah, I am a special kind of stupid. The first two nights, you had me looking on your website for the splash zone. Never found it, so I thought maybe it was no longer available. I find your content and teaching... To fit the way that I think your platform as a whole sounds intriguing as well as simple enough for an old man with bad eyes to understand and follow. Well, just to clarify, it used to be called the Splash Zone, but now it's called the Trading Block. So probably in some of my old, old, like going back five years ago, podcast episodes, I might have referred to the Trading Block as the Splash Zone because that's what the name of it was back then. He says, your podcast in the early days were the best. Some of them I have listened to several times. In my mind, it is such a solid learning tool. Thanks for the lessons that you have taught me, even without knowing that I was listening. Take care, and God bless. Kramer. So if you noticed in the email, there wasn't really necessarily a question that he asked, but he did like wax nostalgia here for me, where I wanted to think back on the days in my early trading years when things were really stacked against you, much more than they are now. I always find it funny that like the GameStop people are like, oh man, the market makers are out to get me, man. And they're stealing my shares and you got synthetic shares being shorted and all these excuses that are being made. Dude, they would have never survived back in the day. And I'm going to give you guys a couple of stories in just a little bit. But first, what am I drinking? Well, I picked up this bottle of bourbon. I don't know. I think it might have been a mistake, but the bottle looked really cool. And it was on like the select bourbon aisle for total wine. So I was like, oh, maybe this is good. It had like a little wax emblem on it. It was It was pretty amazing. It was called... Agitator. It said it finished in red wine barrels. When I bought it, I didn't realize it was finished in red wine barrels. I might have been turned off by that because I find that a lot of the bourbons that they try to incorporate wines into or the barrels that wines are aged in, they don't taste that good. I think this one here, I spent about $30 on. It's 43% alcohol, so that gives it about 86 proof. It's batch number three. Let me tell you, when I smell it, I mean, all you smell is grapes. I mean, it straight up smells like red wine. But when they tell you it's going to taste like wine or that, that it's been finished in red wine barrels, you want it to taste like a high-end wine. I mean, you can go to Walmart or Sam's all day long and get an 8 or $9 bottle of wine, right? 
But you want it to taste better than like eight or nine dollar bottle of wine. You want it to be a high end wine if you're spending thirty plus dollars on it, right? I mean, I know that's not the highest that wines go. I know wines get way up there, and I'm not really a wine connoisseur by any means. I just drink it sometimes out of necessity when that's all there is to drink at somebody's house or whatever it is. But this one here just tastes like a bad wine, like it's just something went wrong in the aging process. It's got a little bit of a kick there at the end. I'm going to say it's like a 4-6. I'm going to give it a 4-6. It's no better than a BOGO wine on sale at Publix. I mean, it's like clearance BOGO, essentially. I would not put it any better than that. Agitator is not that great. 4.6. I was really hoping that it would be a pretty cool find, something that it could be an everyday sipper. I wouldn't even categorize it as that. So Agitator, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, finished in red wine barrels. I give it a 4.6. Now, Let's go through Kramer's email here. Not to be confused with the real Kramer, but let's go through it paragraph by paragraph. He says, I really don't care about what stock or chart that you're charting. I just really care about how you got there. So one of the things that I really find that has helped me a lot in my trading, especially when it comes to charting, is to look for the story that the chart is trying to tell you. Go into it with an open mind. People live and die by moving averages. They live and die by trend lines. They live and die by MACD. They live and die by RSI. And I really don't think that as a trader or a technical analyst, we really have to live or die by one thing. I look for what the story of the chart is. Sometimes there's going to be a definitive trend line that I can trade off of. Sometimes it's going to be the moving averages. Sometimes you're going to see repeated attempts of a stock bouncing off of a 50-day moving average, and you're going to see the pattern there, and you're going to say to yourself, hey, if it bounces off of that level again, I'm going to buy it. Apple, up until 2022, had many instances where it continued to bounce off of certain moving averages. I think it might have been the 20 or the 50. I can't remember exactly. It was one of those two. But if you look back at its history in 2021, it was continuously bouncing off of a particular moving average. And that was the story that it was trying to tell you that, hey, on the pullbacks, Buy it off of this moving average. Crap, you know what? I'm going to look it up because I don't remember what it was offhand. And it's driving me nuts that I don't know what it is offhand. So I got to go look it up now. And here you go. (laughs) It wasn't the 20-day moving average or the 50-day moving average. It was the 200-day moving average. So every time it bounced off the 200-day moving average, whether it was off of the March COVID lows of 2020 or whether it was again in January of 2021 or... May and June of 2021, or then again in February and January of 2022, there were significant bounces that were made off of that moving average. And that was the story that Apple was trying to tell you. It wasn't always great to play off of these breakouts or off of these bull flags. It offered limited reward, even though the risk might have been tight. But if you played it off of the 200, that was the story with Apple. But the 200-day moving average may not carry significance for all of your charts. All of your charts may not give a really a rat's behind about the 200-day moving average. And you can't force that upon a particular trade. Just because it's significant to Apple doesn't make it significant to Microsoft. And so if you try to say, well, Microsoft is testing the 200-day moving average, and I'm going to try to play the bounce off of it. Well, look back on the chart. Has it bounced off of the 200-day moving average at all in recent attempts? If it hasn't, it doesn't mean anything. And so we make these moving averages at times significant. And it's only significant if there's a history with that moving average. And then that's when I want to 
pay close attention. And so he talks about how he likes to watch me chart. And it's because really that I try to find the story behind it. I try to find the trend line. I try to find the support level. And sometimes the trend lines are messy. It doesn't just connect with every one of the pullbacks lows where the trend line perfectly tests the pullback lows on the chart. Sometimes the chart will go below the trend line intraday, but then hold it into the close. And that's the story. The story is, is that it doesn't close below the trend line. It can break below it intraday, but it holds it into the close. And so I'm trying to find the story behind it. And that doesn't always mean it's going to follow a textbook definition. I get a lot of crap from people, especially on the social media platforms about, oh, that's not a head and shoulders pattern because there's barely a right shoulder there. But again, it goes back to what is the story that the chart's trying to tell you? What signal, what message is the chart's trying to tell you? And you try to go for that. And so it may not be a perfect head and shoulders pattern. It may not be a perfect cup and handle pattern. It may not be a perfect bull flag pattern. There may be multiple attempts at a breakout of the bull flag pattern. But then you look for a time where that price breaks out of the bull flag pattern and breaks the previous highs. And then that's the story that's trying to tell you that, hey, it's not like the previous times where we couldn't break out of the bull flag pattern, even though we tried it intraday to do so. This time around, we're breaking above it intraday and we're closing above the highs on a closing basis. The stock's telling you that, hey, it's serious this time. It's intent on breaking out. And so I think a lot of times you're trying to find the story that the chart's trying to tell you. And so you're trying to interpret the charts to find that story. And it doesn't mean that every chart you look at, that there's a story to be had. In fact, oftentimes on the charts, you'll find that there isn't a story there. It's just chaos. There was a person in the trading block today that asked me about BTU, Peabody, right? So I look at the chart and I'm doing a live stream for the group. And I'm saying to myself, I can't find anything here that tells me whether or not it has an edge to the upside or to the downside. And it's a little bit frustrating when you can't find it. I can find these trend lines, but it's broken the trend lines, but then it breaks back below the trend lines that it broke above. So it was a frustrating chart. I said to myself, I can't find anything. And I just had to tell the guy, hey, I don't see an edge here. And you go from there. You just move on to the next chart. But sometimes when you chart certain stocks long enough, whether it's Apple or Tesla, Tesla has stories all over the place on it. Right now, it's been consolidating for the last couple of months. There's support below, there's resistance above. And until it breaks above it or below it, there's no trade to be had there. It can move 5 or 10% in a day, but as long as it stays within that tight trading range, there's no trade there. That's the story that it's trying to tell you. So when you're looking at the chart, just consciously ask you, what is the chart trying to tell me? What is the story that it's trying to show me? Is it bullish? Is it bearish? If it's bearish, what kind of pattern is it exhibiting to show me that it's bearish? And if there's a pattern there, if there's something definitive about it being bearish, or if it's definitive about being bullish, what is the reward to risk on the chart? Where would I get in at? Where would I place my stop loss if the chart goes against me? And you should always assume that every trade is going to go against you. Otherwise, why would we even bother with risk management? Start mapping out all those things once you start getting far enough down the pipeline to realize, okay, this is a good chart. It's telling a story. These are the patterns. This would be the entry. This would be the stop loss. It should all fall into place. And one of the things I really try to do with my trading is keep it simple. And I think that so many times I look at people's charts, whether it's on Twitter or StockTwits or something else, there's so many freaking lines on there, so many indicators in play. RSI is doing this, and you got the MACD doing that, and then you got stochastics overbought. And dude, you start throwing like three or four indicators out there, you've lost me. Just tell me in a couple sentences, maybe just one sentence, why is it bullish? Why is it bearish? 
And oftentimes, if you can't explain it within one or two sentences, it's not even worth trading. If you got to write a book about why a stock is bullish or bearish, just move on. I mean, I know, and I get it. The analysts, the people on Wall Street, they want to make it sound like trading is super technical. It goes beyond your understanding. It's above your head that you couldn't possibly understand or grasp the kind of knowledge that they have to grasp on a daily basis. They overcomplicate things too. Just keep it simple. The simplicity in trading is really where it's at. You can just have a good chart with just one line going through it. He talks about like the mutual funds and, you know, he was spending $40 on an options contract. I actually remember when trading was $20 to get in, $20 to get out. I also remember trading with a $2,000 position size. And you were literally in the hole 2% on a $2,000 position before it ever made its first tick. You had to make more than 2% just to break even. And while I don't necessarily want to go back to those days, or enjoy paying commissions. I remember in years I would spend almost like $10,000 in commissions. It was crazy. But it made you pick and choose what you were going to trade because if you bought into it, you're going to have to get out of it at some point too. And that was 40 bucks on a $2,000 trade. So you picked and choose. You just didn't get it. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to feel it out here and see how it does. No, if you were getting into it, there was a little bit of a level of conviction there just because you didn't want to destroy your account with unnecessary commissions. And that's what a lot of people did back then. It wasn't that they were bad traders as much as it was that the commissions just ate a hole in their account. And then you had the day where one brokerage, and I can't remember what it was. Was it Charles Schwab? I know Robinhood came out. They were commission-free, but not everybody followed the Robinhood. But there, I think there was one day where like Charles Schwab came out, and then everybody went commission-free after they came out commission-free. And that really changed the game. It really changed the game. It opened up the doors for a lot of new traders because of the fact that it was commission-free trading. And I like it that way. I do like it. I think I have the benefit of having traded in those old days where you had to pick and choose what you traded. And that kind of taught me not to be overzealous when it came to buying and selling. I'm still very much that same person that was trading back in the 2000s to where I'm not going to trade just for the heck of it because it might cost me money. Even though it doesn't now, you don't lose those habits just overnight. And that's a good thing, I think, really, because it makes it to where I'm not over trading my account. And the, back in those days, too, I mean, you had big technology companies and everything, but nothing like today. I mean, nobody even thought about a company that could be worth $1 trillion one day. That was like out of sight, out of mind. Nobody even talked about that. But now you have Apple that at one point was pretty much like a $3 trillion company. And this was before a time where there were smartphones. So you were taking your cell phone out, your little flip razor, and you were calling up TD Ameritrade or whoever it was that you were trading with, and you would... Like, for instance, I was working in corporate America at the time, and so I would call TD Ameritrade up just to get a quote on my stocks, and it would ask me to, you know, state the symbol, and I would be like SBUX for Starbucks, and it would be like MSFT, and I was like, I didn't say that. I was like SBUX. So then you're like in a airport terminal, and you're like shouting at the top of your lungs like SBUX, and then you're getting into arguments with this phone conference, because back then... The audio recognition of your voice was absolutely awful. So we would call in to get stock quotes if you weren't right in front of your desk. And oftentimes, even being right in front of your desk, the quotes would be, depending on what platform you were trading on, they would be like 15 minutes delayed. A lot of people would go to like Yahoo Finance just to get a 15-minute delayed quote. I remember one time, holy cow, this was a long time ago, but I can't remember what the stock was. It was an auto company for sure, but I just don't remember which one exactly, but... 
I tried to get out of the stock and they were telling me that the market maker that would have placed my trade was out on lunch and that I was like waiting an hour after I submitted it to be filled. I was waiting an hour and it took them that long to fill the stock. And when I called them up, I was like, sorry, apparently the guy was out to lunch. Now, I don't see that happening anymore today. God bless us if that's still a thing, but I've not run into that since, but that happened back in the day. So I went a little bit down memory lane. There's not really any takeaways from it, but I wish for some people that you could have experienced having to pay these commissions because it did temper your exuberance towards trading in the market. You didn't do it for kicks and giggles because every one of those trades resulted in a $40 round trip. But it's worth mentioning how important it is to keep your trading simple. Look for the story that the chart's trying to tell you. Trend lines aren't going to be perfect. Very few times is there ever a textbook setup. So yes, sometimes the right shoulder on a head and shoulders pattern might be a little bit too high. Maybe the bull flag pattern's a little bit too steep. But when you're looking at the charts, what is it that it's trying to tell you? Is it a light volume pullback on this particular dilapidated bull flag pattern? Yes, maybe it doesn't follow the perfect definition of a bull flag. Maybe it's a little bit steeper than it should be. But overall, is it compromising the overall trend? Was it on light volume? Was it an orderly pullback? And those are the kind of questions that you've got to ask yourself when you're trying to keep trading simple. And if you're wanting more out of your trading, make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Guys, this is the best way to get all of my stock market research each and every day. Yes, there's the trading block, and I highly recommend the trading block. That's for if you want my regular trade alerts each and every day. But if you just want my research, and then the research is good, go to swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You're also supporting this podcast in the process. And make sure to leave five-star reviews for me, man. If you guys can do that, that means the world to me. As well as continuing to send in your emails. Ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them. I do look at each and every one of them. And I try to make as many of them a podcast episode. So send them to me. Thank you, guys. And God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Shareplanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Shareplanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 